You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, an old school Twitter Tuesday podcast. We got through all of Sunday's games on Monday's episode. If you want to hear our recaps and our thoughts and takeaways from week seven Sunday, go ahead and Head back to Monday's show, but we're going to talk Monday night football, Saints, Seahawks, and the snoozer that was Monday night. I'm just waking up from my slumber that started uh, oh at about halftime of that game. And your Twitter questions today, which are sent to at BD Peacock and at Williamson in F. L, I do want to thank everyone for making us your first listen every single day. And I want to let you guys know about the live. Matt and I are not involved in this, but you got to check out the live trade deadline show. It's right around the corner next Tuesday, November 2nd, live 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. It's on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Check it out. Live trade deadline reaction show previewing the second half of the season. 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday, November 2nd on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Matt, what do we think about these Seahawks and these Saints? This was a pretty big game for both teams to really be uh, in that conversation and finding out who's going to be battling for those playoff spots. And we kind of laid it out where there's the haves and have-nots right now in the NFC, and the Saints and Seahawks are amongst you know you know four or five teams that could be in this thing for those wild card spots. And it's pretty clear who the top five teams in the NFC are now. With the Seahawks, obviously, without Russell Wilson. He's got to come back soon or their season is just flat out lost. And speaking of flat, that whole team looked flat and, and the Saints didn't look much better, but they were a field goal better after, you know, the quick uh, the fireworks early with that 84 yarder to DK Metcalf. That was about it for Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, kind of an interesting game. Yeah, it was a snoozer and there was weather and DK and Lattimore fighting every play and <laughs> even before his 84 yard touchdown. And that was the only fireworks of the Seattle offense. Um, talk about the game in a minute, but yeah, your, your question, big picture, you know, we kind of said yesterday, there's five teams in the NFC. And I thought if the Saints went and won this one, I think that pretty clearly be number six. And I think that still holds up, you know, they're four and two, three and one on the road, you know, so they still have a lot of road ga- home games in their back pocket. And you mentioned it too. I think the Vikes are probably seven, you know, that those are probably the seven best teams in, in that conference. This is a big loss for Seattle. I mean, three and four looks a heck of a lot different than two and five. And it doesn't sound like Wilson's going to be back super soon, but boy, they need him. Their offense is horrendous without him, and their defense has been horrendous all year. Geno Smith is a liability, let's just say that. I mean, situationally inept, you know, just can't take a sack on this play. Boom, back-to-back sacks. You know, like just (laughs) uh, when you just doesn't seem to understand, you know, the the game management side of the game, you know, and he's done that his whole career. I mean, it just big third downs, nope, comes up short. You know, just when he flashes, it's usually when it doesn't matter that much. So he's a problem. I could see why they would have entertained Cam Newton. I hesitate to say the Seahawks are out of it because Wilson's capable of great things and maybe they could win their last six or seven in a row or whatever, but they're in a bad place. And right now they're a bad team. Are you (laughs) impressed? 
<laughs> I do want to talk a little bit more about that Lattimore and DK Metcalf matchup because that was the marquee <laughs> thing coming into the game. And Lattimore usually answers the bell against other teams' number ones in big matchups like that. And you could tell the feistiness. And uh, and Lattimore's not the only guy. There's um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who's a major trash oh, talker yeah. on that defense, too. So you knew it was going to be that kind of game. And DK Metcalf's a beast, and he's not going to back down from anybody. And uh, if I was built like that, I wouldn't back down from anybody either. But it was funny. Um you kind of th- there was a big knockout blow early, but DK only had one it. more catch in that game, and uh, so that, at least they made that game watchable with those two. Yeah, and I want to give the Saints defense credit. I really do believe it's one of the best in the league. They kept highlighting Demario Davis, who also is, has a little bit of attitude as well, and you know how much they shut down the run. We absolutely saw that. Um, last week against the Steelers, I studied that a lot more. And I think this is what most teams are doing. And I think the Saints did a lot of this too, was and the only way this team's going to beat us is if DK or Lockett get behind us a couple times. So let's, you know, uh, you know, a lot of too high, that type of thing. Let's give people help over the top. And the Saints were still able to stop the, stop the run led by Davis. He had two sacks and, you know, I mean, a lot of fantasy folks were, who's going to be the lead back in Seattle? Well, it sure looks like it's Collins, but it doesn't really matter. 16 yards for 35 or six, 35 yards on 16 carries. So there's just not many ways that Seattle can hurt you with Geno behind center. I think we should close the book on that game. We spent enough time on it. Uh, I do agree with you. Real quick, it's- though, Kamara was awesome. I meant to say that at the beginning. Yeah, 10 catches in that one on 11 targets. I mean, he was the offense, and he couldn't really get much going on the ground. I will give Seattle that. And New Orleans ran the ball 31 times and couldn't even get triple digits on the ground. 94 rushing yards, and 40 of those were on Jameis Winston scrambles. So um, not much on the ground for that New Orleans offense. But Winston found a way. Do you believe in Winston if they've got the defense and the offensive line is good? You got Kamara. Is Winston good enough to take this team into the playoffs? That's a big question I have going forward. I'm really interested to see Winston and the whole team with Michael Thomas, and then let's revisit it. I Will you remind me, do you remember when he's due back? I think I, soon. I kind of put him I, so far out of my memory because he's been gone for so long, and uh, he's, let's see, let's see. I thought it was see. a six- to eight-week injury or something like that. I, I think he's imminent but uh, they haven't activated him yet or anything but they just played last night so who knows i don't think he's going to play this upcoming week but maybe the one after okay yeah i'm seeing a lot about post week eight so maybe after week eight that could be a big boost for them yeah and there's there's also been like some trade rumors around him too but if you're going for a playoff spot and you're winning games and the buccaneers are coming up obviously that'll be a big barometer for this team maybe that's when you decide what to do with michael thomas yeah makes sense makes sense let's move on to that there's a lot of either or questions by the way in this Mm, uh, twitter mailbag today have you ever been to levi's stadium matt no, I've been to very few stadiums, to be honest with you. I've been to a ton of baseball stadiums and been on baseball tours throughout the country, but not football stadiums. I, I, I don't put – the atmosphere is one thing because of the fans and, and how it is watching a football game because things are crazy on Sundays during football games, more so than baseball. But the actual park themselves, baseball is so intimate, and there's really cool yeah. baseball parks out there. And football, once you're inside, it's just you're kind of just in a, a monolith like most others. You know, some, A lot of the new ones have a lot of fancy stuff going on. But there was a question about which stadium experience is better, Levi's or Heinz Field. You've never been to Levi's. I've never been to Heinz, so I can't really speak on that. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, real quick – 
I, I did that year with the Browns, and every preseason game I went to a new stadium. I did a little bit of advanced scouting through the season, uh, um, went to a lot of college games during that time, but it was only one year. And since then, I've been in the media. I've Every Sunday, I'm home. You know, I mean, I'm trying to watch every game as I po- much as I possibly yeah. can, so I never really go anywhere. Uh, obviously, I've been to Heinz Field and Three River Stadium as a fan growing up, and maybe one or two others, but... I haven't seen nearly as many stadiums as you would think. Uh, one cool note, though, was my three years at Pitt. Um, our my first game as a Pitt employee was the first ever game that Heinz Field hosted a football game. You know that Saturday, mm. and so up until then, I used to take recruits through Heinz Field as it was being built. Like I would put our hard hats on and we'd walk around like, this is going to be the Steelers locker room. This is going to be Pitt's locker room. This is where all the beers stored. So like, <laughs> I know that stadium, like the back of my hand from touring people through there as it was built. It was pretty cool. You know, where all the beers stored. That was the, the exactly. key part of that big, huge cold lines that go <laughs> under the stadium. They're just all the beer flows. It's awesome. Uh, I can't imagine the stuff that goes into that, that we never really get to see. That's yeah. That's right, really right, cool right. Stuff. So I can't really comment for that. And plus, all the games I've been to are basically in a press box anyway. So that, that's the worst part of my job is I'm not really a fan anymore and yep. can't take my 15-year-old to Steelers and wave terrible towels and drink Iron Cities and, you know. That, yeah, that happens. And, I mean, you begin this whole journey being a sports fan. That's why you want to get into the sports industry and sports media. But the more you do it, the more you have journalistic integrity and the more you learn. And it just becomes, you know, other people doing their jobs and you're doing your job. And, uh, and, and I kind of play it that way as well and the more i do this the less fan is in me and the more you know journalist and analyst is in me yeah. it's good for doing radio and do it good for doing podcasts but sometimes you're like yeah you don't get as wrapped up in the wins and losses as you used to yeah right and, and even if i would like there's a seat for me at every Steeler game i could go if i want but it's in the press box and you're not allowed to cheer and you know like yeah if it's a thursday night game a standalone game i'll probably go but Otherwise, it, I'm doing too much here, and you know I, I can't rewind. And you know, I mean, there's, there's, I got my laptop and my my whole system here, so I'm pretty happy with how it goes. It's harder to cover the whole league when you're covering one team really closely and you're on site. Makes it that's become difficult. more of an issue for me because now this year in particular, I'm writing more and more articles for Steelers.com and for the local newspaper here, the Trib, as a as a pre as a post game. You know, game wrap up so i really am dedicated to that one even more and i made sure i don't have anything due like the next day so i can still you know be on top of all the other games right but uh, it's it's kind of amazing like i've learned a lot over the last couple of years about i always used to kind of laugh at people that only covered one team i'm like what do you talk about all week around one team i'm used <laughs> to covering 32 but there's always something Oh, there's always something. Yeah, welcome to my world. We're doing yeah, right. a podcast on one team every day through the entire off season too. <laughs> right. July's tough. Gets I mean, a little loon. Yeah, a little lean there, June, July before training camp starts. Yeah, it, it can be rough. Yeah. I mean, I do an hour and a half radio show every day too. So I mean, in in the lean times, it's like, well, at least we go around the league a lot. Let's get into these Twitter questions. These are never lean coming up. You know, this GetUpside app is pretty cool, an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. GetUpside, my listeners, are making up to $0.25 for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. I downloaded it. It works. It's really cool. tells you what gas stations are partners and promo code TOUCHDOWN. Get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. 
Really easy to use, and you don't have to pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two, $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. Cash out anytime uh, to your bank account, PayPal, an e-gift card, whatever. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. All right, Matt, the other half of Anthony's question here, aside from Levi's versus Heinz Field, one thing I don't like about Levi's Stadium, I'll say at first it was felt soulless and Candlestick was such a weird, unique, old, crappy place, you know, that you kind of love because it was crappy and old. Um, but the more I go to Levi's Stadium, the more they've enhanced it. They've added stuff as it gone along and signage and everything. It was just kind of bare at first. It feels a lot more like home. You play some big games. And I think uh, I think stadiums take on their team's persona a little bit and the fans yeah. and the big games that happen there and the memories that are created so that's a big part of it and the other funny thing about Levi Stadium is it's open on one half so you can see out a little bit it was designed to be where old candlestick was so you could see the San Francisco skyline and they couldn't get the stadium built in San Francisco so they just plopped the same design in Santa Clara so there's not that beautiful view <laughs> that there was supposed to be when you're looking outside the stadium because a lot of stadiums you can't see out at all Wow. I guess one more Hinesfield note. I won't harp on it, though. It's the opposite for me because growing up with Three Rivers, which was those 70s AstroTurf baseball, football, cookie cutters mm-hmm. that were all over the country, and they all looked the same. So this one was at least built for the Steelers. It's all black and gold. I mean, there's a great hall with all the great players in it, and it's very, you know, and Pitt shares it as well, as I mentioned. Um, one nugget, though, that I wanted to say before that I don't like about the stadium that it, it was Pitt doesn't draw very well. I mean, it's a sixty-six thousand dollars. You know, they they might get half of the the place filled on a good game, so you'd sit there with recruits, and all those bright yellow seats would just shine of emptiness. You know, like oh, you're trying yeah. to recruit this kid, and then he goes to Penn State next weekend, and there's one hundred twenty thousand crazy fans. <laughs> like oh, game day is not so good for recruiting. Well, Matt, if you recruited better, maybe that would be a full stadium. Okay. That's that's my point. Hey, I mean, you played Clemson this past week. You won. You got Kenny Pickett, who might be the Mel just ranked as the number one quarterback in this draft. How about that? Hail to Pitt. And still not quite filling the place. Wow. Come on, Pitt fans. Let's go. Mm -hmm. There is a vibe to certain cities. Some cities are pro sports cities and some cities are college cities. And uh, a lot of the California cities are very pro versus college. I I do find that interesting. I wonder if Pittsburgh's the same. Very much so. Very much so. One coach, one quarterback, and one defensive player to start your team today. Who would you go with considering the season so far and the future? Wow. You have to go Mahomes, right? Yes. I mean, I guess it's still a conversation of who's number two. I mean, he's the best, and and even this season, seeing his, basically seeing him at his worst, he's still the best, and he's still young, so still the future. His contract, as much as it looks like a huge contract, is not even that bad, I don't think, long-term either. So I think that would have to be your quarterback, and you could argue about some other ones that could be in there. But it's got to be Mahomes there. Uh, defense is a little bit more difficult because guys like Aaron Donald are the obvious answer, but, you know, he's... he's I think like he's a little old for this conversation. 30-year-old range. Uh, like, Miles Garrett is not even that young anymore, but I'd probably, the rest of career, maybe take Miles Garrett over... I'm trying to Miles Garrett is 28, I want to say. 
Yeah. Oh, you know, oh my God, Miles Garrett. I forgot he came out as a redshirt sophomore. Miles Garrett's still only twenty five years young. old. Okay. He's gonna he's turn the answer. He's gonna turn twenty six in a in a month or so. People hate me around here when I say this, but Garrett over TJ Watt. He's just freakier. I mean, he's the first pick in the draft for a reason. Not that Watt wouldn't be a higher pick, but I mean, Garrett's 275 and built like a Greek god and is so powerful. Um, and they were the same draft, correct? Same draft class. Yeah, yeah and and uh, Garrett's a year, year more younger, too. Yeah, and they both just got their big extensions and are two of the highest paid players in the league. So, I mean, you could make a, a, an argument for Watt, but I take Garrett over him. I'd consider Jalen Ramsey, but I'm more of a build with big guys. I know pro football focus and the analytic people would yell at me for that. You're supposed to build with defensive backs. I think Ramsey's the only one I would consider in really the back seven of a defense. But I, <laughs> as usual, it's a big Niner Steeler show, and I don't mean it to be this way. But watching that game in the rain, I focused on Quentin Nelson and Nick Bosa a high percentage of the snaps. It just was almost forgot how awesome Bosa is. And I would take him over his older brother. Yeah. And Bosa's got, obviously he's, he's young. younger than his brother and he's younger than like Jalen Ramsey. If you're trying to use that, yeah, as a, yeah. you know, 24 versus 27 years old and, and Bosa just turned 24 a couple days ago. So he was 23. Uh, I think actually that might've been his birthday the other night during the football game. Um, it was, he got a pick on his birthday. Yeah. 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 So, Anyway, we have to pick a coach too. The coach is hard. Coach, uh, do you go youth? Do you go like Brandon Staley? Or he needs to prove a little more though. I could I even. Mean, I'm super impressed. I mean, with but... coach, I could even say, let's go Belichick. Still, I don't know. I know. <laughs> I, he's not. He doesn't have that much longer to go. But Belichick will probably still be going before. Like he'll he'll I, like put it this way: Aaron Donald will retire before Bill Belichick. You know what I mean? Unless Belichick's really close to the end right now. Yeah, and Andy Reid too. I mean. I, I don't know these people, but could Belichick get sick of dealing with mediocrity and not having Brady and he's up in age and say, I'm hanging it up. And frankly, Bill has not exactly used his money in draft picks or all that wisely lately either. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're picking one, Andy, again, I don't know him, but what's his health like? You know, he just got rushed to the hospital and he's not exactly the leanest fellow in the world. And he, he's got a, you know, he's had, Issues with his sons, which I, I'm not harping on, but I mean, he might just be like, the heck with this. I got millions in the bank. Let's mm-hmm. go float around the boat and have no more stress in my life. Although we've Maybe. seen coaches try to do that and, and it doesn't work out all that well. Their DNA doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arians is one. He took a year off. He's like, what the hell am I doing? What and- about Rams or Bills? McVeigh? And maybe McDermott. Harbaugh, maybe Peyton. Peyton's still young enough. Maybe Peyton. Yeah. That might be a good one, actually. Sean Peyton. It's pretty good. Because he's at the top of his game. That might be my pick. Proven. Okay. Like, Staley's great, but he's won five games in his life or something like that. 57 years old. You're, you're going to get another ten decade out of Sean Peyton. Yeah, you get, to see, call. you get to see through the rest of Mahomes' career with Peyton. They would be good together. Oh, wow, yeah. Not bad. All right, I like it. Garrett, Mahomes, yep. and Peyton. That's my, yep, that's I think we agreed on it. How about this for some young head coaches uh, along the same lines? This one from Mark. He says, let's play date, marry, kill. 
of these former Coach of the Year candidates, Shanahan, Flores, and Rule, which one do you fire? Which one do you let finish the year? And which one do you extend long-term? Kyle Shanahan, Brian Flores, Matt Rule. Hmm. I think it's not the, going so well for any of them. Yeah, all of a sudden, too. I would have said, well, extend right. Rule about three weeks ago. Um, and that's not looking as good, but I think I would have to choose rule for the extension. Shanahan's already been extended. Um, I think the, the, I think all three of these coaches are in the same spot and it's the same answer is they're going to finish this year and probably finish the next year. And the, and 2022 is going to be the, the year that decides their fate a little bit more. Um, I think they all three have Miami the exact same quarterback games, situation though. where, um, Flores and Ruhr are trying to figure out what they're doing at quarterback. Shanahan has already kind of figured it out, but still has to take that step of developing that young quarterback. So 2022 will be the year that really you, you have to answer some questions here because all three are young and, and have shown enough to where you're not doing anything with them right now. But if you have to fire one, I would say based on this year, it would have to be Flores just because his team's playing the worst. Agreed. I have some reservations about your boy Shanny, mm-hmm. but I am dating rule, marrying Shanny, killing Flores. I'd probably flip rule and Shanahan. I think big, I think Shanahan's yeah. start of like his, just the, the whole game management, management of the roster on down, all the head coach stuff. Shanahan hasn't impressed me enough yet. Right. And I think that stuff is seeping into his play calling, which is the reason you bring him in to be the offensive genius, right? So I think Rule is just as far as a figurehead guy at the top of the heap that's got the whole thing figured out and is in charge of the of the entire team. Give me Rule for the extension. So give me Rule for the Mary, the date, Shanny, and yeah, I guess you got to fire Flores there. But man, uh, that that could change like Flores, over the though. course of every month or so. I, I would hold on to all three of those guys, and I think they could be more stock up in 2022 than they are right now. Yeah, I mean, now's the time to buy all their stock. I mean, it's certainly dipped. I, I thought Flores was exceptional, and I still like him a lot. I would hire him in a heartbeat, but he got. I mean, there's only three to pick from. They these were really thought out well, or they're this. Uh, you know, you know, Twitter questions just very lucky because Mark, yeah. <laughs> good job. <man. laughs> yeah, good job. But I mean, it, it, it was really well thought out because they're all kind of in similar boats. One of the two is going to end up with Deshaun Watson, I think, and the other is going to end up with Trey Lance. You know, so there's mm-hmm. big changes on the horizon too. And maybe uh, who's that Pitt kid? Maybe the other one ends up with the kid from Pitt. Could be Cody Pickett. There you go. No, Cody Pickett was the former Washington Not Cody Husky. Cody Pickett, right. Some other Pickett. Cody Pickett. Oh, that's a good, that's a blast from the past, Cody Pickett. Yeah, where'd that come from? That's a boys? good one. All right. Uh, let's move this along. More of your Twitter questions. Penny Pickett. Coming up. I know you've learned a lot in the early going of the season. You could put that to use at betonline.ag. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. New updated site and interface. More odds, props, contests than ever before. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. And you can bet on other things as well. We've got baseball playoffs going on basketball, hockey, boxing, your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. And you can get a special bump with 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. So go head over to your 
mobile device, website, desktop computer, you can access betonline.ag however you want. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. Make sure your car is road ready for this winter season. Why pay 50 up to 100% more for the same parts or for maybe parts that aren't as good as the ones you can get because they can't have the same kind of stock in-house at some of these chain stores as you can find at rockauto.com. There are so many makes and models of cars and it's really impossible now for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Take control of some of these things. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. And you'd be surprised how easy it is to do some maintenance for your own car. Make sure you got jumper cables in there. Change those wiper blades before the winter hits so you can actually see out of your front windshield. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Great job by the Twitter folks with these built-in segues, Matt. Let's go back to those Panthers talking about Watson. Assuming Carolina makes a trade for Watson, this question from Hoyt. Assuming Carolina makes a trade for Watson, what do you need to see from Tua to say Dolphins should trust him to be a franchise quarterback going into next season? Or have you seen enough of Tua? Or do you think it's the stuff around Tua that could elevate him and then you're in a situation like... uh, To me, he reminds me actually a lot of a left-handed Jimmy G. You put the stuff around him, I could see the Dolphins being a Super Bowl team. But if you need him Mm -hmm. to put the team on his back, then you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah. I've been very impressed with how he's played these two games since coming back. Bad defenses, though. And he still has had a handful of really bad plays, bad decisions, bad turnovers, crucial turnovers. So, but I like the way he's moving and throwing and he looks more comfortable to me. I think he's clearly taking a step forward. They need to improve their offensive line first and foremost. I think it might be the worst line in the league. So let's start there. I just don't know that he has a really high ceiling. You know, I I think he could be on that Jimmy Cousins, Mayfield spectrum, you know, where if everything's right and you have a defense that's playing as well as they did last year and the special teams and turnovers the Dolphins created a year ago that has dried up for them this year and you got Fuller and Waddle and Gasecki, I think they can contend, you know, I mean, but there's coaches, I forget how people phrase this. I mean, there's quarterbacks that are the reason you win. There's quarterbacks you win with. There's quarterbacks you win in spite of. And then there's quarterbacks are the reason you lose. And I don't think he's the bottom two, but I'm almost positive he's not the top one either. There's so many good quarterbacks and then so many talented right. young quarterbacks that could climb into that echelon and then the really great quarterbacks are playing even longer now I mean is everyone going to play into their 40s that's already good I mean if you're if you have a quarterback that on a good day he's still QB 15 at best in the league which is I think where 
a team like Miami is with Tua, you've got to yeah. try to improve on that. You got to try to get a guy that you think can be a top ten quarterback, uh, because there's just too many guys making too many big throws and, and putting too much stress on defenses this day and age. And, and Tua is just not that type of guy from what I've seen. So I'd be trying to find something better. But you could absolutely be doing worse too. Yeah, right, right, right. And that's a tough place to live. But I mean, like the Browns are facing that decision now. Miami's potentially doing something about it. But I mean, just look, those two teams are AFC teams. Like just in the AFC, you're competing against Josh Allen, Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. The jury's still out, but they're, you know, there's ability there. Burrow, Lamar, Herbert, Mahomes, Carr, and then Lawrence, who I think will be awesome. Wentz, I'm not going to put in that category. Tannehill, I'm not going to put in that category. And that you know, so, so when I just named six amazingly talented quarterbacks like Lamar and Allen and Herbert that are going to be awesome for a long time. That's tough. Yeah, you, you got to try to get into that group. You just have to. Yeah, I mean, those teams are going to be competitive for a long time. Would you rather pay Baker Mayfield or trade for Tua? Trade for Tua. Yeah, I would too, just because it doesn't lock you in as long. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I could flip them in a year, or if we have a terrible season a year or two from now, maybe I'm picking early enough to get the next Lawrence Luck or who, you know, even just first overall pick type guy. Yeah. I mean, taking contract. Paying. I mean, you didn't mention Baker and that stuff, but taking contract out of it, like I would still take Baker over Tua right now, too. And, and that's, I sort would of, too. And that's kind of the level that you're hoping Tua gets to. So, like Carr, right. Tannehill. And I would be trying to improve over those guys, kind of. You know what I mean? It's, and you're trying to right. get over the top of that. So that's why I think the clear answer is. And that's why they're trying to trade for Deshaun Watson. They're trying to get there. Mm-hmm. And I really think this quarterback year is going to be super interesting because I'm stealing this analogy from somebody I heard on a podcast. But last year, the quarterback musical chairs. Remember Schefter came out and said, I think there's going to be 18 teams with new quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being like half the league. He didn't get to 18, but it was pretty darn high if you think about it. And the musical chairs last year, there were more quarterbacks than chairs. This year, there's the opposite. There's too many chairs this coming offseason, especially if my man Kenny Pickett is the best quarterback in the draft or if there's only <laughs> one or two with first-round grades and nobody with a top 15 type of grade. You know, like you can't go to that outlet anymore. It's looking very much like last year's quarterback class is going to be so much better than this year's yeah. 2022 quarterback class in the draft. We'll see if that turns out, and I don't know how good all five of those first rounders are going to be, but some teams might be kicking themselves, and including some teams we've just talked about a lot in this podcast so far. Uh, here's another either or real quick, like Denver and Atlanta and Den- um, teams I- that could have taken one might be like, damn, we missed our opportunity. I'm because Atlanta had Matt Ryan, who uh, that's harder to get rid of. He's better than Teddy Bridgewater. He's better than Sam Darnold. He's proven a lot. He's been in that city for a long time. You don't just kick that guy to the curb. And they had a a prospect like Kyle Pitts to draft. But I'm looking at Denver and Carolina. And I I said it on draft day. I was like, what the hell are you doing here? I mean, those corners are real nice, but man, you don't have a quarterback. So that corner is not going to matter. Right. And frankly, I mean, you could have field sitting behind Bridgewater now instead of him trying to swim in the deep end, you know, like it doesn't mean, and plus Atlanta had cap issues too. Like they couldn't really get rid of Ryan. I mean, so it wasn't really their year to do it. 
Last one here, another either or, this one from Talon. He says, here's one I don't know the answer to, prime Adrian Peterson or Derek Henry. That's a good one. They get neutral situations, same coaching staff, same offensive line, yeah. and all of that. I, I, I think this is actually kind of easy for me, and I'm going all day Adrian Peterson. AD. Are you? Yeah. Yep. I, wow. I, I think I saw this one. And been thinking about it. I mean, what Derrick Henry is doing is so unique. But I think, does Derrick Henry in 2005 or 2007 or was it 2007? I can't remember what draft Adrian Peter came out in. Maybe 2007. People forget how much of a cyborg Adrian Peterson was. I think he's more dynamic right. than Derrick Henry. Neither one of them, you know, huge in the passing game. But Derrick Henry didn't have to face 250-pound linebackers like Adrian Peterson did. It was a different day and age where teams were preparing to stop Adrian Peterson types. Teams are trying to cover uh, like little slot receivers now and trying to play big nickel on first down and trying to corral quick running back or quick quarterbacks that are acting as running backs. So I think that's helping Derrick Henry in this day and age is because teams aren't built to stop Derrick Henry's anymore. I think it's closer than you do, but you have some great points about what they face, you know, week to week. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Teams want to live in nickel and dime, and some aren't even equipped to come with their base 3-4 and 4-3, which Peterson dealt with all the time with an extra guy in the box in addition to that, or even 4-4s he dealt with. I do think Henry is kind of legendary, though, and is slightly behind Peterson in this conversation, but I'm taking Peterson – the question was all things being equal, but there's one thing about them that I'm not that I'm going to change the rule a little bit on is the passing game was more important now than then. And they're both highly deficient catching the football and running routes, but it doesn't, I'm not going to hold that against Peterson where I'm going to put that in the negative column for Henry, just because of their contemporaries. So give me the nod to Peterson and We've been talking about my recruiting history a lot today. I watched – it's not like we were in on Peterson. I mean, he wasn't going to pit, trust me. But <laughs> in my free time, I would pull out the VHS tapes of the top 100 recruits in the country and just watch the best of the best. And I'm not exaggerating by saying at that time, never seeing him play a college snap, just his high school tape, he's the only 17-year-old that I thought he could probably just skip college and go right to the pros. I saw some of his high school highlights it's recently, nuts. and it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's a, it's a, <laughs> right, right. You know whose high school tape is amazing is Vita Vea. I they saw they showed clips this week. Of yes, him getting a handoff just uh, as a running back, a pure running back. He was so fast versus those high school kids, and he was yes. huge still. I, that's scary to have to tackle that. I mean, that that's. This I would rather try to show. tackle Adrian Peterson in high school and Derrick Henry maybe than Vita Vea. That was freaky. This is a high school show we have to have because I watched so much recruiting tape for three and a half years that Vince Young and you know some of the guys I watch I want to talk about. You know, we'll do that in the offseason sometime. But yeah, you're right. And I'm sure Henry's is just as unbelievable. And some of these guys are getting to the point where it's like Andre Giant having a second row of teeth. Like some of them are legendary, <laughs> but the, the rumor has it like when they went into scope or whenever they went in to repair Peterson's knee, that the surgeon had never seen one like that. You know, like, is this a Clydesdale? No, it's Adrian Peterson. You know, like, 
he's different than everybody else. He's a cyborg, like you said, and he's still kind of playing. It's amazing. Yeah, he's still going too, which is kind of crazy. And yeah, so I'm just kind of looking at the 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 best linebackers in the league, the the tackles leaders back in 2012 when Adrian Peterson ran for 2,000 yards, averaged six yards per carry that season for the entire year. And I mean, that was the last year of Ray Lewis's career, so he had to go against mm-hmm. Ray Lewis and. And uh, Patrick Willis and the tackle leaders were Luke Keekley and Chad Greenway. Blinder. And he was a big dude, too, for an inside yeah, linebacker, yeah. kind of outside inside. And that, that was a unique player there. Navarro Bowman, Jared Mayo, um, Laurinaitis, Bobby Wagner. So there's a lot of size there. Oh, and a safety can come downhill and spear you right in the dome in 2012. Those guys at the top of the list, the Willis and Lewis and Keekleys and Wagners, are awesome at everything. But there's nobody on that list that's. 220 and there's a lot of people that are probably slightly down that list that are 245 that run a 49 that wouldn't get drafted yes yet. yeah they wouldn't even they would have to change careers that are like delivering beer now or or it'd have to be a defensive lineman right maybe you can put your hand in the dirt maybe you know fun questions thanks everybody for getting involved apologies to those questions we did not get to you can keep asking them though we might have some time later in the week to dip into a few Uh, we have an extra day because we were able to get all of the recaps done on monday maybe a little guest from the network as well if there's any teams you're very interested to hear from one of the hosts on the network on our show let us know at bd peacock at williamson nfl back tomorrow thanks for making us your first listen by the way right here on the peacock and williamson nfl show